What is up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of Campus Life. Uh, my name's Austin. You can find me on Twitter at Debbie Dietz, uh, along with most of my written work over at Dynasty Nerds. And along with me is my co-host, uh, Colin Decker. Uh, what's up, everybody? This is Colin. Uh, you guys can find me at Campus2Canton on Twitter, uh, the number two. Uh, no written work yet, but that will be coming soon. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. So speaking of that, guys, um, so we're getting the podcast out here a little earlier um, than the rest of the work. But right now, we basically are wrapping up a project that's aimed at helping you with valuation across your campus to Canton League. It's a problem that all of us have in those kinds of leagues. Um, so we're trying to put together some rankings, a couple other things, websites, uh, the whole shebang. Uh the podcast that we're going to be doing for you guys is going to be a series each week. It's going to be two episodes. Um, our episode, like the one we're doing today, Campus Life, is going to be focusing on all things college. So it's just going to be Debbie, recruiting, college fantasy football, all of that kind of good stuff. Second episode of the week is going to come out mid, mid late week, probably around Thursdays. And that's going to be, uh, what is it called, Colin? Canton Bound. Canton Bound. All right. And that is going to be all things dynasty focused on the NFL um, and obviously tie back in with the college side of things as well, since this is a campus to Canton uh, podcast. Yeah. So with the uh, Canton bound midweek show, uh, you know, we're just going to kind of help you guys with some different valuations. There is a lot of moving parts in your campus to Canton leagues, as I'm sure you guys all know. So we're just going to kind of tie that back in and, you know, discuss how, uh, to value the NFL guys versus the college guys. Uh, but we'll get more into that in that episode later on in the week. Awesome. Well, let's just jump right into this because it's been a busy week in college football. Um, I'm calling this week week of the running back uh, because there were a lot of huge running back performances across the slate. Um, who is a guy, Colin, that stood out to you this week? Uh, yeah, so guys stood out to me this week is also a guy who stood out to me last week as well. Uh, running back Desmond Jackson out of Oklahoma State. Uh, so, I mean, obviously this year everybody thought uh, it was going to be Chuba Hubbard's year, uh, you know, after the year he had last year, you know, over 2,000 yards. And, you know, he's kind of disappointed this year, uh, been out the last two games, uh, along with the the other, the second string running back, Brown. So Desmond Jackson's really stepped in these last two weeks uh, and filled that vacancy there. Um, you know, two weeks ago, he had 36 carries, 235 yards, and three touchdowns. Uh, so big coming out party there for him. Uh, followed it up this week with 29 carries for 118 yards and a touchdown. Um, so if a lot of you guys haven't heard of Jackson, that's probably because he was uh, just such a lightly recruited guy. Uh, he didn't really have any offers coming out, so he went the JUCO route, uh, went to Hutchinson Community College. Um which, uh, you know, that's in Kansas for anybody who doesn't know that, which I had to look that one up. I, I thought everybody knew that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not real, uh, not real familiar with the JUCO college locations. So uh, I'll, I'll defer to you on that one. Uh, but, yeah, I know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, well, 24-7 uh, says that that's in the, uh, in the bigger, one of the bigger JUCO conferences. So it, like, you know, his, his year there um, two years ago, uh, he had 184 yards, 13 or 184 carries, 1300 yards, 14 touchdowns, um, you know, and in their bowl game win, which I didn't even know 
JUCO had bowl games. I kind of thought they went more the uh, the FCS route, had like a play a playoff. But in their bowl game, he had 136 yards, touchdown, uh, you know, nine passes for 75 yards, um, or for nine catches for 75 yards there as well. And you know, then you know, blew up that year. Now he's coming over to Oklahoma State. Uh, had to you know, kind of sit out. Didn't really do much last year, but. He's really taking advantage of his opportunity this year. Um, yeah, he's got the size that you look for in a running back, too. He's 5'11", 220. Uh, yeah, 24-7 sports lists his 40 time, projected 40 time at a 4.54. Uh, so, you know, that's a good number for, or for a guy that size. They comped him to Chris Carson. Uh, now, which first I thought, you know, maybe that's kind of scouting the helmet a little bit. You know, Oklahoma State guy, Chris Carson from Oklahoma State. But after I watched that Texas Tech game again, um, you know, I, I really saw that. You know, he's got the power that um, Carson runs with. Uh, he's got solid vision there, too. But he also does have a little bit of a speed there. He's not going to break the long touchdown run, not going to have 60-yard carries. But, you know, he can he can pull away from, from some linemen, you know. But I like it. Yeah. I mean, so speaking of Oklahoma State running backs, has anybody damaged their their, you know, uh stock this year more than Chuba Hubbard has by coming back? Oh yeah, I can't believe he he came back. Um I mean after you put up a twenty a two thousand yard season, you know, you, you would have thought that he would come out. Now it was a little bit more of a loaded draft class, so I guess I kinda get it. And you never know what anybody else go, has going on in their personal life too. So maybe there was something going on with that that he came back. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, his stock just plummeted this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Najee both made that bet. It seems like it worked out for one of them, and yeah, not well, so well for the other one, right? Same with Etienne too. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Well, I guess I'll stay on the topic of bruising backs, um, <laughs> and I'm gonna talk a little bit about Kevin Harris from South Carolina. So this weekend, he had 21 catches or 21 carries for 210 yards and a touchdown. So he averaged 10 yards a carry. I think we're going to be a little numb to that performance because Jared Patterson put up like a bajillion yards last week on about that many, uh, you know, carries. Uh, but it's still a crazy impressive week. Um, he's done this all in the SEC this year. Um, I mean, right now he has 185 carries for 1,138 yards and 15 touchdowns. Uh, he's averaging over six yards carry, which is awesome. And uh, I know I said he's a bit of a bruiser. I mean, he's 5'10", 225. But he can catch the ball, too. I mean, he has 21 catches already this year for 159 yards and a touchdown. So he's not like, um, you know, he's not a guy really designing any sort of, you know, uh, passing place for. But he's competent in the area. So uh, that's fine with me. Um, He, I got to say, he probably runs with the hit stick more than anybody else in college. He will not end a run without at least taking a guy or two with him, which I just love to see. I mean, maybe it shortens his shelf life a little bit in college and the NFL, but I mean, bless him. I love to watch it. Uh, most people, including myself, I, I, and I think, honestly, if someone tells you they saw this coming, I think they were, they were lying um, because they brought in Marshawn Lloyd this year uh, at South Carolina. He was the number five running back in this year's class. There were tons of clips of him on Twitter, online, uh, showing off his fancy footwork and everyone was just getting hyped and hyped and hyped and hyped about him this off season went down with a knee injury pretty early in camp this year, which was a real bummer. And then when he went down, I think everybody pivoted really quickly to Zakondre white, who they also brought in this year was a Juco guy. Um, he was the number one, uh, Juco guy in the class this year, running back wise. Um, and 
some, I mean, Kevin Harris, who is a true sophomore. I mean, he, he played a little bit last year, but didn't do a ton, just out outperformed them and has, has gotten them the bulk of the snaps. So I, I mean, I'm really interested to see what he does again next year, but uh, he's a guy that I, he's, I didn't, he wasn't even on my radar this year. And now I have him in my top 20 backs for next year. So, and I can see him going even higher this off season once I finally get to sit down and watch him. Okay. So you have him in your top 20 backs for Debbie rankings, or are you talking like just for his class, which is, he yeah, sorry. Yeah. For, for next year's class. So he's 2022 eligible, whether he actually comes out or not. Um, and like, like we just talked about with Najee, Chuba, and ETN, some guys do, some guys don't. If he comes out, you know, I, I think he gets drafted. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that backfield's divided up next year. But yeah, I mean, you got to think he he earned his earned some more snaps next year. Um, you know, it'll be probably be his backfield next year, and it'll have to be Lloyd and White that'll have to really step up to to displace him at the top of that depth chart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the next guy on my list here uh, is a guy who everybody knows the name. Um, you know, he's not a guy who came out of nowhere here. Uh, it's Trey Sermon. Um, you know, he had that big 2018 year. Everybody was getting hyped at uh, for him at o- Oklahoma, and then just fell off the face of the earth in 2019. It didn't really do anything. Then transfers to Ohio State. Uh, you know, they have Master Teague there. They got Steel Chambers. They just always seem to bring in, you know, new running backs uh, every year. And so, people, you know, expectations for him were probably, you know, not real high. But you know, last week, uh, this week broke out 10 carries. So, you know, not not a ton of work there. But he did put up 112 yards and the TD, um, you know, which he vastly outperformed, um, you know, Teague. Um, Teague had his 13 carries. Um, so, you know, it was a fairly even split there, but you got to think that they're going to lean more towards Sermon after this game. And, you know, if he can keep it going down the stretch run in the playoffs, we'd potentially be talking about him as a top five back in this year's class. Um, now I think there's just, there's a lot of Jags in this class to me. Um, you know, I don't see anybody special outside of ETN and Harris. Um, it's pretty drop, pretty big drop off after that to Javante Williams Michael Carter, the the two UNC guys, uh, you got JV and Hawkins, Gainwell, who are a little bit on the smaller side, um, you know, and then you got Chuba, who we still need to figure out what to do with him after the year he's having here, like we mentioned earlier. So I don't know. I think uh, you know if if he keeps it together down the stretch, you know, you know, you, you could see him being in the top five uh, in some people's some people's rankings. You know, so where, the season. where do you have him today if the season ended like today and the draft was you know two weeks from now? Where, where would you have him? Uh, I think if the season ended today, uh, he would probably still be outside my top 10. Okay. Um, I probably would put him – he'd probably be right there with uh, you know, Jamar Jefferson and Jared Patterson. Um, you know, I could see them being in the – you know the eight, they'd be in the 8, 9, 10 spots for me right now. Um, but like I said, you know – if they start to turn to him, you know, down the stretch run, he looks really good in the playoffs, tearing up some some good defenses. Uh, you know, I could definitely see him be, see him being a riser because, like I said, I just I don't see anything special out of any any of the other guys. So, I like it. I like it. Um, so I'm going to go with a freshman, uh, true freshman. Um, he's probably the most underwhelming stat wise of the guys we're about to talk about during this segment. Uh, but that's Diamante Trey Inum. 
uh, from Arizona State. And I guess they call him Chip now. That was like nowhere Chip. on his recruiting stuff. But now I see Chip everywhere. So whatever, Chip. Well, it's way easier to uh, pronounce than Diamante Trainum. So yeah, it's a lot. Of, like when I, yeah, I, I spell it wrong every single time when I'm like trying to search him. So thank you, thank you for to him for shortening <laughs> that. Maybe he did that for us. I don't know. Um, but coming into this year, he was a four-star guy coming in this year. He's the number 23 running back in the country, uh, according to the composite. Um, but he was overshadowed a lot, uh, recruiting profile wise by, uh, Daniel Nada, who is the, he's related to Joe Nada, who's over at Clemson. He's the number three all-purpose back in the country in that same class. And people just really assumed that, uh, Nada was kind of going to take the lead back role there. I mean, they didn't really have anything coming back in that backfield. You know, Benjamin yeah, was the guy last year, he's gone. Um, not really doing that much. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was just a, a huge vacant, um, spot in that backfield. I was always higher on Trey and I mean, you can go back and look through all my stuff that I've, you know, my tweets, everything in the last, um, you know, eight to 10 months. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I remember yeah. conversations we yeah. had. Yeah. Yeah. People, people were off on him because he's, people thought he might be a linebacker. Um, I mean, he, he played some linebacker. He played some safety. I think at some point, like I've read articles where they had him like playing corner against the other team's best receiver in high school, just cause he's that level of an athlete. He's five eleven, two thirty. 230. So yeah, I mean, you can see like why people thought he might be a linebacker at the next level, but he, he, I mean, he, for a guy that size, he doesn't move like that at all. He moves, he moves like not as should at like five, nine, one ninety, uh, <laughs> rather than the five eleven two thirty he's at. So this weekend he put up 50, he had 15 carries, 108 yards. Um, last week against USC, he had 12 for 84. So he's averaging seven yards, uh, carry. He's got two touchdowns on the year. Um, I don't think, I mean, with the pac 12 starting late this year, I, we're not going to see like some huge breakout year out of him, but if he continues to get carries over nada, and looks at home in that backfield. I think he's like a huge screaming buy going into next year because he could be a guy that just jumps off of charts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you love that he's also paired with Jaden Daniels too. You know, you get a little bit of the, a little bit of the mobile quarterback offense going there, and you know he can definitely benefit from Daniels' mobility in in the run game there. Yeah, so. that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Who else you got? Um, so my next guy is uh, a little small school guy. I mean, obviously, you know, Coastal Carolina having a big year this year. Um, but he's not really a guy who's on anybody's radar coming into this year, at least not anybody that that I had had heard of. I know he was on waivers in our C2C league. Um, didn't, unfortunately, get a chance to scoop him up. Somebody beat me to that one. But uh, my next guy is uh, C.J. Uh, Maribel, uh, Maribel from uh, – Coastal Carolina. Um, he had a uh, you know, big game this past week against BC, BYU, uh, 23 uh, carries, 132 yards, two touchdowns, a uh, little bit through the air too, three catches, 10 yards. Um, but he's a guy who's having just a stellar season this year on that option offense that Coastal Carolina is running. Uh, he's got 724 yards so far, 10 touchdowns, um, 27 catches too, 130, or 173 yards, six touchdowns receiving. Uh, which more or, less leer, more or less mirrors his stats from last year as well on a per-game basis. Uh, but, you know, he was a two-star guy coming out too, no offers. He ended up going to Presbyterian College in the Big South, uh, and he actually led the conference in rushing as a sophomore or a freshman, uh, then transfers to Coastal Carolina, incident pack as a sophomore. Uh, you know, he was the team's offensive player of the year. That year they voted for him. He just continues to get better each and every year. And he's also got the size that you're looking for, too. You know, 5'10", 200 pounds. Um, and I don't know if you watched any of the uh, 
any of the BYU game there. He didn't really break any long runs in that one, but there were games in the, the Texas State uh, game the week before where he just broke off long runs. So he's got that long speed too. You know, he's not a burner, but you know he can break off some long touchdown runs. Uh, but what really impressed me the most though is his vision in the uh, in that option offense. You know, you think that they would just kind of be getting him on the outside. And they do that a lot too. But when he does run between the tackles, he does have does show some nice vision. Um, but another thing I really like about him too, though, he's a kick returner. Mm-hmm. So you know, you get to see that versatility there. Um, you know, and that's also another way that he gets that open field vision too. So that's part of the reason why he breaks some of those long runs. But you know, coming into this this season, uh, you know, like I said, pretty uh, pretty low key guy. But he's a guy I think. You know, as as Coastal Carolina started to get more recognition, get a little bit more on the radar, I think he's a guy who's going to jump up rankings this offseason once media and scouts, you know, start to catch up on some tape. Um, you know, I think they're they're, they're really going to like what they see out of him. And, and he's a guy that I see climbing in a lot of people's ranks, too. I think he'll be touted as a sleeper by a lot of people this year. But, you know, you heard it here first, folks. C.J. Maribel. Uh, Especially with, uh, I think people are going to be looking out for for a guy like that because of uh, James Robinson this year, a guy from like yeah. a small school that you know has the the size, the tools, you know the the counting stats which he has. Um, yeah. yeah, he's. Uh, I'd love to see him go to the Senior Bowl. Um, I haven't seen if he's gotten the invite yet. Uh, I don't know if he has, but and I, and obviously we don't know if they're actually going to go through with the Senior Bowl. I mean they're planning to at this point, but you know there's a little pandemic going on, so. Who knows if they're going to have that? But I think if he goes to the Senior Bowl, I think you could really see his stock jump. Yeah, I, th- I think he would have been maybe a Shrine Bowl guy, which they're right. not having the game this year. But he might get an invite to that. I don't know. I don't know how those those things communicate with each other to see who gets what invite. But um, yeah, but we'll yeah have I th- Jim Nagy on our show, uh, you know, in the in the future here to talk about that. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give him a call. <laughs> Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about the guy that was on the opposite sideline of Maribel this weekend, and that's Tyler Algier, who's at. BYU. Uh, he's another guy, actually, coincidentally, I didn't really realize this before doing some research for today's show that he was also thought of being a linebacker going into college and is actually like listed um, or was listed as like a linebacker his freshman year. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure how he made that switch or, you know, how they decided maybe because he's a little undersized for that position. I mean, he's 5'11, 220. So that's not, I mean, I, linebackers are getting smaller, but that's still, you know, a little, little small for that position. Um, but this year, he's really just kind of blossomed. Well, I mean, he put up nice efficiency stats last year, but he only had 17 carries, so it's a small sample size. But this year, he has 131 carries for 957 yards, 12 touchdowns. Part of kind of like the thunder and lightning that they have in their backfield there. Um, I honestly wasn't even really watching him uh, when I'd watched a little bit of BYU the past couple of weeks. I was always watching, obviously, Zach Wilson because he's the guy that everybody is interested in. Um, but the running game is really what has made their offense – go i mean the passing game gets all the plaudits but i think as we saw this weekend coastal kind of shut down the running game a little bit i mean he still had he had 106 yards and a touchdown this weekend but they weren't really running like getting like those chunk plays that they've gotten you know all season and i think that was a big reason why they ended up losing they because of the, the limited effectiveness so it, it, i mean and it's not even a poor game so I, I don't think it like damages his stock um i am interested to see i, I doubt he comes out this year as a redshirt sophomore um he probably has at least a year or two there there's i mean those byu guys right. are like 29 yeah. when they graduate so <laughs> yeah those byu guys go on those mission trips so yeah. who knows so he's still got like yeah, yeah he's got like six years left but 
but he should at least, you know, be on radars in terms of if he puts up another big season next year without Zach Wilson there. Now, maybe we're talking about a guy that, you know, I'm interested in for, for the NFL side of things, but for college, you know, he, I could see him putting up a, a really efficient season next year and he'd be a guy maybe that isn't a starter for me, but with all the injuries and, you know, the mystery behind that kind of stuff, I think he's a great guy that maybe at the last minute you have to plug somebody in, you toss him in, he gets you 20 points or whatever, and you're happy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on how deep your league is, but for our C2C league, uh, you know, I was managed to scoop Algier up off the waiver wire this year early in the season. And, you know, he actually, he is starting for me this year, uh, you know, with John Emery Jr. not really producing, you know, like we kind of, we thought he would, um, Algier actually, you know, jumped him in my, in my starting lineup, you know, and I've been, I've been comfortable starting him every week. You know, he's got well, uh, was it like five? He's got five games over 100 yards. He's got a touchdown in every game but one this year. Um, you know, so he's a guy that I've been comfortable starting. That's the beauty of campus to Canton leagues. Like I have a I have a team that has Pickens, Nada, and Weiss on it, and I don't start any of them on a week to week basis. But they're all going to be NFL guys. So that's the nice. I mean, you find a guy like Algier. You know, you picked him up off free agency early in the year, and you know, he's, he's a nice guy to have around. And maybe he becomes something in NFL. Maybe he doesn't. But he's got nice value just, you know, helping out that college side of things for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously this year, you know, with everything going on and the, and the wacky schedule from a week to week basis, you know, I, our, our league isn't doing, you know, the actual like championship or anything like that it doesn't really count this year. And I'm sure probably a lot of other leagues are the same way. But, you know, going into next year, yeah, he's definitely a guy that uh, it's going to be on my line in, in my lineup from a week to week basis. Gotcha. And he, you know, hopefully he gets me the. Uh, that championship there next yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, enough about running backs. Let's move on to something a little, a uh, little more topical here as the season comes to an end. And that is bowl season. Uh, Christmas coming, it's getting cold. Bulls are coming there. Hopefully should be plenty of juicy matchups this year. I mean, we were looking at what the 24 seven sports, they kind of do like a um, every week they, they update like their projected bowls based on, I don't, I don't really know exactly what criteria they use. Um, but they have a bunch of uh, matchups that are kind of interesting, um, and and there's some that maybe just you know people hope to see as well. You know, fans, de- you know, fantasy Debbie guys. Um, so, Colin, what is one matchup that you want to see this bowl season? Uh, well, one matchup that I really want to see this bowl season, and this was something. This was a matchup that I had kind of come up with. Uh, you know, on my own before looking at the 24-7 sports bowl projections because um, that was just updated earlier today. But, you know, they actually have this bowl as one of the matchups. So, uh, you know, it, it, hopefully this gains some traction, but it's the uh, Oklahoma versus Florida. Um, you know, if you're looking for if you're looking for some fireworks outside of the playoff, you know, this is the matchup you want. You know, they're both top 10 scoring teams in the country this year. Both of them have QBs play at a high level. Should be very high scoring. Although, you know, Oklahoma did let me down this week, not hitting the over against Baylor. But I digress. They should still be good offense. They should still uh, should still be a really great matchup this week with, uh, or with uh, Rattler and Trask. So that's one that I'm definitely looking forward to. That that offense is really just like blown up with Ramondre Stevenson coming into the lineup. Which, speaking of what, do you have any opinions on Stevenson? I know I just kind of tossed this at you with zero prep. <laughs> yeah, zero prep work. You gotta you gotta put this on the show sheet first. Uh, this is my first podcast here. You're already throwing me a curveball. Um, Welcome to the show. I, <laughs> I do like uh, I do like Stevenson actually. Um, you know, I did think 
that, um, you know, Kennedy Brooks, um, you know, you, you kind of expected him to be to be a guy there this year. And then um, they did bring in that uh, freshman as well. Uh, McGowan. Yeah, McGowan. Yeah. So, you know, I know I know everybody kind of thought those were going to be the two guys. But, you know, the offense, like you said, it just really has taken off since they put Ramondre Stevenson in there. And I don't know if that's partially because Rattler was a new QB, so it took him a little bit of time to work out the kinks. But, yeah, I mean, you see Ramondre Stevenson in there just week in, week out making a difference. So, Yeah, I'm interested to see cause with the, the whole um, everybody can come back, like this year doesn't count for anybody's eligibility. I'm interested to see if he comes back because they don't – like they have a McGowan behind them and then like kind of a lot of nothing. They do bring in, uh, I think, Kamar Wheaton. I don't know if he's – 100% committed there or not, but I know like he's like strongly linked there. So he's the number one running back recruit in the country for people who who don't are familiar with the name. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see if he comes back next year to kind of just give some experience to that backfield, or if he. I mean, with this late season push, maybe he tries to go to the draft. I don't really know. But yeah, I mean, it's that'll be the the interesting thing with with everybody getting an extra year eligibility. So you, you'll you'll want to see, you know, who takes advantage of that. Um, yeah. You know, and it's going to be a lot of personal decisions on a lot of people's part too. Yeah. But uh, I could see Stevenson coming back for an extra year, you know, to, to try and maybe build on this year because at this point, probably not, you know, anything more than a, than a day three undrafted kind of a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my the the big matchup I really want to see, and I I'm really angry at this twenty four seven posting because they just totally <laughs> shafted Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Uh, Marshall, they they have them in the Cure Bowl, which I don't even know what that is. It's like one of the bulls that's name changes like every three years <laughs> against Marshall. And Marshall hasn't really played anybody this year. I don't even think they're going to be in the top twenty five anymore. No. They lost to Rice this weekend. They got shut out by Rice, who aren't even a good team. I can't name a single player on Rice. <laughs> Apologies to the Owls. Um, <laughs> So I, I, that, and hopefully, I mean, I, I think they're going to jump a lot in like the playoff rankings and stuff. I think this was like a de facto playoff game this week against BYU. I am interested to see where they wind up. Um, but I, I just want to see them against like an Indiana, like a team, like, you know, a power five team. Like, I, I mean, obviously I think they'd still get crushed by like Ohio state or, oh, yeah. or one of those teams, but, but I just, I just want to see them go against a team that has like a legitimate defense with like NFL level athletes on it to see how they do. Um, yeah. Mostly because I, I, I want to see Grayson McCall do it. He was a little underwhelming this weekend. I mean, they their game plan was was, was very you know they went into that game to, looking to pound the ball, control the clock. They ran a lot of their option stuff. He had he looked really good running. Um, he's six three two hundred. I thought he looked a lot bigger than that on screen. I thought he was like six five yeah. two fifteen. Like he, yeah, he looked much bigger than that. Yeah. So I, I just want I want to see him go against a legitimate defense. Um, you know, he's a guy that was a two-star recruit, uh, you know, not really highly thought of. Literally nobody knew his name before this year. Um, but he's been very efficient all year. He has a good arm. I, I, it's definitely NFL quality. Um, he can work short intermediate areas of the field pretty well. Um, PFF says he's good on long stuff. I don't notice him, like, obviously killing it on deep stuff on tape, but um, I'll have to go back and watch some more of that. Um but the big thing, like, I, if for a guy that's starting their first year, the thing that I just really want to see is how they handle pressure. And McCall is completing roughly sixty percent of his passes under pressure, which is like one of the top marks in the country. Uh, so, so that's something that obviously is is great, and he can continue to grow with that. Um, where I think he's probably going to improve next year a little bit. He's not great on play action right now, which he definitely needs to to work on. Um, and I just want to see him take over a game, which again, the bowl game would be a perfect setting 
for, you know, a game winning drive or, you know, just a big performance where we can see him show what he's got. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, that's definitely an interesting matchup there that, that we can look forward to. There's no way that they're going to put Coastal Carolina in the Cure Bowl against Marshall after mm-hmm. after the performance that they just put up against BYU. Because, I mean, you got to think that they were a little bit disrespected. Um, you know, everybody kind of thought BYU was going to walk on all over them. And, you know, maybe it was partially because BYU just threw that game on the schedule on, what was it, like Wednesday or Thursday that they yeah. confirmed that. Yeah. So maybe that had a little bit something to do with it. But, you know, they've beaten everybody on their schedule. And that's all you can ask them to do. So I, I do think it'll be interesting to see them get, you know, maybe one of the Big Ten schools that that look decent right now. You know, the Indianas, you know, Northwestern, um, you know, and I don't know how they're going to handle some of the Big Ten schools only playing, you know, maybe five, six yeah. games. So we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think it'd be really interesting to see them go up against like one of the Big Ten schools. And I am a little bit selfish, but if Isaiah Likely and C.J. Maribel leave after this year, I'm not sure like who the, like I don't I have no idea who like their backups are. So I, I selfishly I want to see him play one big game right. with the gang with the gang all there. So <laughs> yeah. right. Um, yeah. So the next one um, for me would actually be uh, the other side of that Coastal Carolina BYU matchup, um, which we're talking a lot about on this one. But would be who does BYU get now? Because you know everybody was thinking that they were gonna you know, potentially push for if, you know, if they beat Coastal Carolina, potentially push, you know, top 10, top eight, you know, they were looking good for a New Year's Six Bowl, you know, probably a matchup with, you know, a Miami or, you know, in Indiana, like we were talking about there too. Um, But now losing, you know, it's putting them out of the contention for New Year's Six. So I really want to see Zach Wilson play a legitimate defense. And, apologies to coastal Carolina. You know, I know they are ranked 11th in points allowed, which is good, but there's just not really much, if any NFL talent on that defense. So I want to see him, him go up against a legitimate defense, see if this hype is really warranted. I mean, cause he looks great, you know, in, in that uh, coastal Carolina game, you know, you saw more of the same in that than, than what you've been seeing all year where he's getting outside the pocket. He's creating outside of structure you know, he's got that howitzer of an arm at times. You know, he's he's there was one play with like 20 seconds left before the half. He's rolling right, just up in the air, slings it across his body, right on target to the receiver. Um, you know, and he looked good on that last minute drive too. Obviously, just didn't uh, didn't work out the way that he would want to. But I really want to see him play a uh, a legitimate defense. So maybe maybe like an Iowa. Um, you know, somebody along those lines, you know, maybe, maybe an Auburn, if Auburn gets in to a bowl game, you know, it's hard to say what's, what's going to go on with their schedule, but I want to see him play a defense with some NFL talent. Do you worry at all that he, um, he gets advised to sit out because this week was his first real tough matchup and he had an okay game, but if he has like another okay game against like a good team, I think that starts to hurt him. So do you think like he's, he's going to get some advice in his ear that maybe he shouldn't play? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a good question. You know, I think it's going to be really interesting to see who opts out of these bowl games, you know, because that was always like a topic of contention before, like, you know, Christian McCaffrey sitting out and, you know, some of those other guys. And then, you know, and then you had guys like Jalen Smith who play and they get hurt. So that's always like a point of, you know, a a topic of uh, of the bowl season there is who's going to sit out. But with this year, you know, all bets are off. So I do think you may hear some people giving him advice where maybe he should sit out. So 
that is definitely a worry. Um, but at this point, you know, it, we're still projecting these. So let's let's pretend that he's going to play for sure, and let's uh, let's get him a good matchup. Love it, love it. So my the other game that I that I am hopeful to see, and I think it's going to shake out if if how the next couple of weeks kind of go that we all expect them to. Um, I want to see Bama versus Notre Dame. Not because I think it's going to be like a particularly good game. I think uh, this version of Alabama is like the perfect modern like college football team. Oh yeah. In terms of you know how, exactly how they beat you on offense, what they do on defense, and Notre Dame like as much as they're kind of coming into the 21st century in terms of you know athletes at the skill positions. You know we can't just ground and pound everybody to death. Uh, I, I, yeah, I just don't think they stand that much of a chance. But what I do want to see is I want to see them against Najee Harris. And not necessarily because, like, Najee has never played a good running defense before. Yeah, he's seeing those yeah. defenses every week. Yeah. But this Notre Dame rushing defense has been stellar all year. Uh, they So they've played, like, a pretty decent running back schedule, honestly, for, for being in the ACC the majority of the season. Um, so just some guys that I looked up that they've come across this year. They played JV and Hawkins from Louisville. They held him to 15 for 51. Uh, he actually had five catches for 46 yards as well. They played Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who's a guy that I absolutely love. 14 for 61 on the ground, five for 49 through the air. They played Travis Etienne with Clemson the first time when they beat them. Etienne had 18 for 28 and a touchdown. And then he did have eight through and 57 through the air. Uh, they played Javante Williams, Michael Carter from USC. Uh, com- they held Williams to 11 for 28 and Carter to eight for 57. And then combined, they had three for 33 in the air. And then this week against Syracuse, Sean Tucker, who's kind of like a, um, he's a freshman. He's a guy that I, I, I think is going to at the very least put up a lot of college points over the next couple of years. Um, he had 24 for 113 and one, which still isn't like a crazy efficient game. So they, they've done really well against kind of those top running backs in the, in the league. And, um, yeah, I'm just interested to see how Najee would do against them. They do give up, like, I mean, you saw, like, pretty much every game they gave up, like, five or six catches for, like, 60 yards. So he might be able to beat them that way. And we, this could look really stupid in a couple of weeks where he put up, like, you know, gets, like, nine catches for 140 yards, and I, I look really stupid. But that's a game that I think it is going to happen, and I'm interested to watch that particular matchup. With yeah, absolutely. It actually kind of surprises me that uh, Notre Dame's defense has given up that much through the air to running backs with, you know, JOK at linebacker there. Um, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name, so we're just going to call him JOK. But with you know the level of athlete that he is, I would have thought that they, uh, you know, he would be able to keep running backs in check a little bit more through the air. But um, no, that's think, kind of surprising. I think they, I think they put him on tight ends more. Okay, from what I've watched, I think that's generally where they put him, um, and he does fine there. But yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, on the other side of that coin, though, too, um, you know, kind of talking about the playoff there, uh, you know, I really want to see. The, the projected playoff right now where you have, you know, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Alabama, you, you got three potential first-round quarterbacks in there. You know, apologies to Ian Book, but, yeah, you're just uh, – you're, you're not a first-round talent. Um, you don't have to apologize to him. <laughs> his, he wakes up in the morning, his dad tells him he's not a first-round draft pick. Let's like, be honest with ourselves. Yeah, uh, you know, ap- apologies, Ian. You know, I'm sure you're out there listening to this. Um, but, you know, Mac, you got Mac Jones there. Um, you know, really nice year this year from him. Uh, not necessarily out of nowhere because he did step in admirably last year for uh, for Tua when he went down. You know, he looked really good against Auburn. Uh, you know, he's definitely played his way into potential first round conversation there. Now he's not 
what I would look for in a quarterback. Uh, you know, we've had discussions about this before, but if you can't, if you're not mobile, um, you know, and you can't extend plays outside the pocket, like, you know, you, you got to have just phenomenal, uh, you got to be a phenomenal passer. And, and he does look really good, but, you know, I just, I fell into that trap before with, uh, with Rosen, um, you know, my, my Rosen love, I'm not really ready to give up on him just yet. Come on, Tampa. But, you know, I've learned my lesson there. So I might not be a big Mac Jones guy, but I know there are a lot of Mac Jones truthers out there. And then you got the other two guys, you know, the, the two big names, Lawrence Fields. You know, everybody knows those guys. Everybody's been looking at those guys for the last two years. And I think everybody wants to see that matchup, you know, Lawrence versus Fields. Um, you know, Especially because Fields got the better of them last year, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Lawrence won, but yeah, but, Fields but, looked better. Yeah. Fields looked better in that game. And, you know, Fields, yeah, he had that bad game uh, against Indiana, but, you know, that's really the only bad game that he had. Um, you know, he's he's somebody who just he takes care of the ball. So, yeah, I really want to see those two guys go at it again, see round two for that. Not that I think it's going to have any impact. I mean, I think Lawrence still goes number one, but it'll still be definitely interesting. Well, it is the Jets, so it's a dangerous <laughs> assumption. <laughs> well, I mean, we just saw today they almost blew it and almost won against yep. the Raiders if they didn't, you know, tank at the last second there. I mean, you got to think that Adam Gase is, or, or not Adam Gase, because I mean, he doesn't care because he's gone. But you know, Joe Douglas is in somebody's ear saying, "Hey, let let this let Rugs score here on this one." Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this, hopefully we get some of those bull matchups. I mean, I, my fingers are crossed. Um, Speaking of like bowl games and just kind of getting to the end of the year here, uh, MVP wise for this year, and I'm not just talking MVPs in terms of, you know, this guy was the best guy on his college team or anything like that. I'm just talking about the guys that from like a pure college fan, college football fantasy perspective had great years, especially relative to kind of their expectations coming into the year. Um, Colin, I know you've got a couple guys that you, you were really looking at uh, through this year. Uh, who who do you have as, as one of your college MVPs? Right. Well, I think the first guy on my list is probably going to surprise a lot of people. Um, Malik Willis, uh, you know, QB for Liberty there. It was an Auburn transfer, uh, but you know, he's a true dual threat quarterback. You know, he's got 2,000 yards through the air, 20 touchdowns. He's got another 800 yards on the ground with another 10 touchdowns. And he doesn't turn the ball over either. Um you know, so so he's a guy who he may not be much of a pro prospect, but if you're looking for production from the quarterback position, the college side of your C2C league, and you scoop this guy up on the off of the waiver wire this year, you know, you're you got to be extremely happy with that. Um, you know, and he's a junior, too. So he's going to be back next year. Uh, we'll see if Hugh Freeze sticks around with Liberty because he kind of has them maxed out. But either way, you know, Willis should still have another productive year next year. So he's a guy that. You know, if we were if we were counting this season for college, uh, you know, he's a guy who who would have uh, probably won you some games this year. And it's a bummer. I mean, because they uh, we have them to thank for getting this BYU Coastal matchup this week because Coastal was supposed to play Liberty. Right. So I, w- I would have been interested to see what he did against that team because he played at what NC State a couple weeks ago and just put up a giant goose egg. Yeah. So right. I, so I would have been interested just to see him get another game against you know a, a decent defense to see uh you know what he what he did there. Um. If, yeah. Even though, like you said, he's probably not much of a, an NFL guy. Right. So not much of a pro prospect there. I mean, you know, it would be nice to see him against a good defense. But, 
you know, selfishly, I would just want to see him beat up on all of these uh, on these small schools and, you know, just get me a ton of fantasy points. Well, that's the unicorn, right? The guy that's like a great NFL prospect and just beats the crap out of everybody in college. Like it's not always that common. Um, but when you get the intersection of those two, it's it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't I didn't have anybody uh, on my MVP list that that would be uh, able to qualify for that. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yeah. Well, I, I was thinking about this question um, when we were kind of drafting up what we wanted to say tonight. And I totally want, like, I, I love to kind of like find like the cheating answer to like one of these questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you're a lawyer, so. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's enough said there. Um, <laughs> so, so like my big college MVP is just any, anybody that was on Florida's offense pretty much this year. I, and I think people did, they were predicting a, a bigger year for Florida. I mean, you heard a lot of, you know, who's going to be the guy like Joe Burrow that comes out of nowhere this year. And kind of the, the trendy answer became Kyle Trask. And that actually mostly turned out to be true. Like, I don't think he's the pro prospect, but he's, you know, bare, I think right now, like his efficiency on the year is like barely above where Burrow was last year. So he's on that level in terms of, of play this year in college. But if you went out and bought any part of this Florida offense over the offseason, you, your value like multiplied by like 10. If you look Trask on the year, 71.4 completion percentage in the SEC, uh, which is more offensive centric nowadays. I think people have realized you can't win like six to three every week, but, but I mean, it's still not, you know, it's not the big 12 in terms of defenses. Um, 3,243 yards, 38 to three touchdown to interception ratio. And then you just look across the skill position board. You have Damian Pierce. Uh, he has 85 carries for 417 yards and three touchdowns, another touchdown receiving got Malik Davis, who uh, isn't great on an efficiency standpoint, but has 22 catches uh, for 318 yards, and he has another 200 on the ground. Uh, at wide receiver, you have Kadarius Toney, who's like the huge blow-up guy that no one was talking about before this year. 53 catches, 649 yards, eight touchdowns, and he's pretty good on the ground as well. He has 15 carries for about another 100 yards uh, and a touchdown there. You've got Jacob Copeland, uh, who was a guy that I was really expecting to do a lot, uh, kind of got usurped by Tony this year. Uh, but 16 catches, 306 yards, two touchdowns. Trayvon Grimes, 30 catches, 413 yards, eight touchdowns. Justin Shorter, who was left for dead at Penn State, transferred to Florida. He's got 22 catches, 241 yards, three touchdowns. And then the obvious guy that's, you know, the number one guy on that offense with Kyle Pitts, who actually, I was actually really surprised. I thought he had way more like counting stats than this. He has 36 catches for 641 yards and 11 touchdowns. And he did miss two games with an injury. Um, but, but all of those guys, like it, it, I, I, like outside of Pitts, I really wouldn't have thought any of those guys would be starters in C two C, like the C two C, like college fantasy side of things this year, and they've all pretty much proven to be indispensable. Um, so I am, I'm, I think at this point, like pretty much all of them are legitimate pro prospects. Which which one of those guys, like if you had to go out and buy a Florida guy outside of Kyle Pitts? Who would you go by? Of course, he took Kyle Pitts yeah. off the table there. Um, yeah. I mean, he's the obvious answer. Uh, even with missing two games this year, you know, he still has 20 more points than the next closest tight end um, in scoring. You know, he's he's averaging 21 fantasy points a game. So if you had him, you know, he's definitely a, def, definitely in the MVP conversation there. But outside of that, um, you know, I think if I had to go get one, it would probably be uh, probably be Tony which is, you know, kind of the other obvious answer, but he just kind of has that, you know, just versatile Swiss army knife type, uh, type resume there that, 
the you know you're seeing a lot more of that in the in the NFL too. So, you know, coming into the year, obviously not really on anybody's radar as a pro prospect, but I, I would expect to see him, you know, maybe go day two, early day three this year. That is like a loaded wide receiver class, so we'll see. But he would probably be my my pick for the guy that if, if I'm looking to go get somebody, it would be him. Yeah, and it is nice just to see this Florida offense like do something because there's so much talent that comes out of that state that goes to Florida, Florida State, Miami, and they squander like just a ridiculous amount of it. Like you see all these four and five star guys that go there, and like three two thirds of them like you just never hear from again. So yeah. it, it it was nice this year to finally hear like all these names that like you know two years ago Trayvon Grimes was a big name you know a couple years ago um, you know shorter was like the guy in his class he was a five I think he was, he was the number one or number two wide receiver in his class so it, it is just nice to see a team that like actually has its crap together and can get those you know the most out of those guys yeah absolutely um, you know and then my next uh, my next MVP there would be uh, Sam Ellinger. Uh, out of Texas. So, you know, he's, he's always been a, a guy who was not really much of a pro prospect. You know, maybe he'll be a guy who sticks on somebody's depth chart as a, as a long-term backup potentially, where, you know, if he has to come in, you know, he can give your offense a spark with his rushing and, you know, confuse a defense here or there for some spot work. But I don't really think anybody was expecting him to be a pro prospect, but, you know, be a great college prospect. He's got 2,400 yards passing this year, 25 touchdowns. Only five picks. Another guy who doesn't really turn the ball over. Uh, he's got 300 yards rushing and another eight touchdowns rushing, which yeah, a lot of those uh, stats there were, um, you know, helped by three overtime games. But, you know, who cares? It's counting stats. Um, you know, that's all we want to see. But, you know, he's, he's a guy, too, who, you know, he, he could even come back this year with, with the eligibility, you know, being waived for the NCAA for anybody. You know, is he is he going to come back because he knows he's not a pro prospect? You know, he just wants to shatter every record at Texas for his six years there that he's been or whatever it is. Um, what a slap in the face to Vince Young that would be. Right. For Sam Ellinger to come back and like break all of his records. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, couldn't you see that happening? I mean, he's, he's yeah. not going to go pro, so he's not going to be much in the pros. But I think that's going to create a really interesting situation there with the two QBs that they just brought in this year with Hudson Card and Jaquindon Jackson. You know, they were the number two and three dual threat QBs respectively. So so if he does stick around, you know, yeah, you love it for your uh, for your college team, but, you know, what's going to go on with, with Hudson and Card, who I have in RC2C League? So selfishly, I kind of hope he goes. It, and it was interesting because with Ewers, who was supposed to come in there, it, it almost made sense for him to stay another year. And then so it like – because you didn't really want to squeeze yours out. You were like, well, if he just stays for another year, we don't have to worry about like you know, Hudson Card or, you know, the Quinn Jackson, whoever. Um, so, yeah, it is interesting to see what they're going to do now with with uh, yours going to Ohio State. Uh, interesting to see how that that whole situation shakes out. So let's see here. So my other MVP um, that that kind of just came out of nowhere this year was Kyron Williams from Notre Dame. Um and I think he wasn't really on radars until late summer this year for people. Uh, people assumed that it was going to be um, Armstrong. Was it Armstrong? Yeah. Was the Armstrong. Guy? yeah. Yeah. And then what um, they also brought in 
Tyree too. They brought in Chris Tyree this year. Yeah. Who was the number one all purpose back in the country. Um, so I think people assumed that it was going to be, cause Notre Dame kind of does that thing where like they bring a guy in, they don't really play that much as like a freshman and maybe even as a sophomore. And then a guy graduates and then you just bump into their spot. And they kind of have like a really nice system like that. Um, so at the, yeah, I think that's people, just what people assumed were going to happen. Uh, but then around late August, people started saying that this Kyron Williams kid was just absolutely tearing up their camp. Uh, he was a free agent in all three of the C2C leagues that I was in this year. Um, I sadly managed to grab him in zero of them, so that was great. Um, but he's you know, he was listed as a wide receiver for most of his recruitment. He went to yeah, I think late in the process, he ended up saying that he was going to be a running back instead. So he was almost more of like a recruited as like an all-purpose back. So very similar to Tyree. He, you can tell that he was an all, you know, the, he was a receiver at one point because he's got great hands. He's probably one of the better receiving guys in his class. Uh, he's twenty twenty two eligible, but the stuff that like he's picked up in the past couple of years that that have elevated him, like and, and probably got him on the field a lot more, were like his just the fact that he can pass block so well, that he can run between the tackles really really well, um, and, and just kind of all of those intangibles that you know you want to see out of a running back to get him on the field. Um, this year, he's averaging five and five point six yards a carry. He's got twelve touchdowns, twenty four catches. Um, so he's got another year there. It's it's a shame they don't. Well, I mean, maybe Ian Book comes back, like you said, with the the eligibility being all all weird. Um, I kind of want to see them just run that whole thing back. Uh, bring back Book. Have Williams there. They have Michael Mayer, who's going to be there again next year. Tommy Tremble's going to be there next year. Um, I think the only black guy they lose is McKinley, really, that's been you know doing anything on that offense. So, uh, so I am interested to see them, you know, bring a lot of that gang back and try to try to do it again. Yeah, I mean, if they if they're in you know national title contention this year, which they are right now, um, you know, why not? Why not come back, run it back? Because you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, Ian Book, not really much of a pro prospect guy. So, so if he comes back, you know, he could break some records there at uh at Notre Dame wouldn't that be a slap in the face to some of those guys like young (laughs) yeah well I mean I guess the other thing is like all those top other teams lose their their quarterbacks this year presumably right right? like um I mean Trask leaves Florida uh Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields obviously both leave Zach Wilson leaves not that BYU is that much of like a threat on the national scale anyway but like all those teams Texas A&M loses Kellen Mond Texas Ellinger might leave um, Oklahoma with Rattler is really the only other team that's like big right. that's bringing their quarterback back. Well, it'll be interesting to see what Mac Jones does too. Uh, that's a good point. That's a good point. I you have to assume that he leaves after this year, though, right? I mean, I mean, you have to assume that Saban's kind of got like his foot kicking him out the door with Bryce Young there too. <laughs> yeah, well, I know you were a big Bryce Young guy, uh, you know, coming into this year. So, and I think a lot of people thought that Bryce Young would give Mac Jones some, you know, give him a run for his money for the starting role, but Mac Jones has just looked so good this year so i mean why not parlay that one good year into into a you know into your draft stock like like we were talking about earlier you know he's probably a a potential first round guy end of the first round guy and you know if he goes in the end of the first round he could end up in the best situation out of all the quarterbacks oh and that's the perks of going to being the coach at bama too if you piss off young and he leaves you just bring in some other kid right and not that they've had like a ton of success with that but no right um, well, speaking of Bama, my uh, my final MVP would actually be Devonta Smith, and I mean he just he just has been going gangbusters these last two weeks with 200 yards back to back weeks there. Um, you know he's got 40 more points than the next highest scoring wide receiver. Um, he's 1300 yards, 15 touchdowns. 
you know, he's got six games this year with 30 fantasy points or more. Uh, you know, and he's outscoring every QB too, except for Wilson, uh, Willis that we talked about earlier, Kyle Trask, Sam Ellinger, and Dylan Gabriel. Uh, so he's essentially college football's version of Michael Thomas from last year, where he's just head and shoulders above everybody else in the points category there. So, you know, it's and it's really nice to have such a different ma- difference maker at the wide receiver position in the college side, because you know all these quarterbacks are typically the more top uh, the top scoring guys. So to have a wide receiver up there in that category is just a huge difference maker for you. And um, you actually just traded away a difference maker. Uh, like that this offseason, right? You just, uh, in our C2C league, you had Smith? I traded away a lot of difference makers. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Smith, Devonta Smith may or may not have been one of them. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, he's a guy who just, you know, if you had him on your on your team this year and if you if you guys were, your leagues were counting this season, you know, he, if you have him, you're probably in title contention. Yeah, it's like starting another quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah week in, week out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that about wraps up what we have for tonight's show. Um, we'll be back on Thursday this week um, with our dynasty thoughts as we kind of approach the playoffs this year. Um, kind of, if you still have your trade deadlines open, maybe we talk a little bit about maybe some college for NFL trades that you could make to maybe push yourself over the top, maybe trade away a Devonta Smith like I did. So um, be on the lookout for that. Um, other than that, um, like we talked about a little bit at the beginning, we have uh, a bunch of projects coming out here in a very short amount of time that we'll be giving you more information on shortly. Um, but until then, um, I'm Austin, and he's Colin, uh, and this is Campus Life. We'll see you guys next week. See you later, guys.